And so I'd look at the envelope that was stapled because they keep the envelope stapled to the back of the return. So then I'd look at the other tax return, same handwriting, 25 in a row. Wow. I mean, and they're going, they're going into nursing homes to get all the socials and the names and addresses of all these people that are sick in a nursing home that don't have a tax filing requirement. On the street, it's called the drop. You know, you file someone's taxes before they can file their taxes, or you simply get someone's information. You get their social security number mm -hmm. and their name, and then you go and you put in, you say, hey, I'm so-and-so, and I made 45000 and I paid in twelve. I'm owed $7,000. Can you please deposit it on this card? Yes. And I am, although I, I you know, just based on reading cases and, and uh, speaking with these guys, I mean, I, I know that, you know, that they, I understand that they have to give them the money, they file, you know, they're, they're trying to throw up all of these, uh, these ways to slow this down and stop it. They're giving people pin numbers. They're having them call yes. There's all these things. Yes. What kills me is that the IRS doesn't know that Walmart didn't send in the eleven or twelve thousand dollars that you're saying they paid. You know that you've paid in. Like the, the IRS doesn't. I, I understand they don't have a little account sitting there with your name on it. But like, why don't they? Well, actually, they do. You see what I'm saying? Well, okay, but so so why don't they catch the fact that you're saying I work for Walmart? I paid in eleven thousand. You owe me seven. Why don't they catch that? They they do. They don't catch it immediately. Right. One of the departments I worked in is called Automated Underreporters. Okay. Okay. And their depart that department works about eight to nine months after the fact, after the tax season closes in April. So along about now, late November, early December, Automated Underreporters Department is starting to fire up 2022, the year we just finished, in addition to all the prior years. And so they're going to start catching some of these things. They're going to catch this return, this guy from Walmart that said he made 14 grand or whatever he made and now he, you know, we owe him 7. They're going to they're going to likely catch that and there's a cycle that goes on and they're going to, you know, send out and he may have gotten the refund and it's really hard to get money back once the money leaves. Right. Well, especially if it's not him. Right, but it went to some place. It went to a bank. But you, you know, it goes to a bank. It doesn't go to, uh, you know, a card per se. Well, I mean, it, it, you know, they were initially they were you could use like a green dot card or rush. Yes, card. green dot. Yes. A lot of those they've shut down, but there's so many banks that are allowing you to yes. open bank accounts online, and they get the, you know. So I understand it goes to. Yeah. The, there's a lag. The reason they're not catching it is there's just there's a lag time. There are 300 million people, whatever, filing tax returns. And they just simply cannot catch them all right up front. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And the things you're talking about, I saw those. I would, I would, in under reporters, I could see this bank and this account number getting more than one refund. Right. But different names and different socials that are stolen or borrowed or made up or whatever. It's, it's so, you you know, criminals are smart and they know how to manipulate the system. And the IRS is is slow to catch up. 
CI is super strong and they really, you know, they've got systems in place. Their technology is just sort of now kind of catching up to, to modern times. So one of the guys that I spoke to, it's funny because sometimes you'll talk to some guy who's like a literally like it was what it was like, what did you do before this? And he'd say, I was, I sold drugs. But he's never had a job. He was a drug dealer for okay, for yeah. 10 years and somebody taught him how to do this and he started doing this. And you're like, yeah. and you did this for five years? Yeah, he made a million dollars doing it. And you're like, this, that's insane. Yes. You know, so, and then you'll talk to someone else who owned a tax, pre- uh, you know, prepare, was a tax preparer for yep. 15 years. And then he did it. Like, and I can understand getting away with it. But uh, I spoke with a tax preparer one time and he had, when I was saying, you know, why can't they stop this? And he said, well, you got to look at it like this. He said, at any given time, there's 100,000 corporations in the United States that are behind on their payroll taxes. Mm-hmm. He said, so you work at Waterbed Warehouse and they t- you, they've paid you $60,000 and they've removed, they've take, they've withheld $15,000 from your check and they were supposed to forward that to the IRS. Yes. But they're they have poor management, they're behind on their bills and they haven't sent it. Now when you go to file, you get your W2. Mm-hmm. You go to file your taxes. He said, "Is it fair that the IRS doesn't send you the money because they didn't pay it in?" Legally, the IRS or you you have to allow them to withhold the money. He's like, so it's not fair that the IRS says, well, wait a minute, your employer hasn't sent us the money. We're not going to send you the money. He was, so in their gut, uh, their gut reaction is send him the money that he says we owe him. He said, and then we'll figure it out if something's wrong. He said, but initially he said, you need that money. You deserve that money. And whether Waterbed Warehouse ever pays the IRS, the IRS owes you the money. And I was, you know, that I, you know, and yeah. I get it. I do, but I, it makes sense. Yeah, but it's still it's still hard. It's unpalatable. So especially yeah. seeing these guys that would they would say, oh, yeah, I would, you know, initially these guys would say, look, if I filed 10 of them, nine of them went through when I first started and they yeah. said it got worse. It's gotten worse over the last five or six years. And, and I'm now it's been worse, you know, worse as in harder. Is it better for them or harder for them? No, much harder. So they're, they're like, now they're filing 10 and they're lucky if two or three go through. Yes. Yes. I was, yes. The ID theft unit was really starting to gear up about the time I was leaving. My unit, they asked for people in my department to, hey, do you want to go work in this new new unit we're forming? Right. ID theft. Because they're, they, they become more savvy. And just as your person was saying, yeah, maybe two of 10 go through, but they still go through. I talk to people two or three times a month. Hey, I tried to submit my tax return and the IRS rejected it and they don't know why. Right. Figured out. And it turns out to be someone else filed a tax return using a social, either their social or some social that was on the tax return like for a right. kid. So, um, Yeah, I was going to say, I had one guy who, he, he actually has an interesting story, but he it's funny because- he said, you know, he had a, a car lot, like a buy here, pay here car lot. He's oh, like, yeah. not in, a, in a crummy area of town. And he said, these guys would come in and they just had tons of cash. He's like, and, and he said it, more and more people were coming in and asking for higher end cars. He said, he said, listen, he said, after six months, he said, this one guy who had bought like three cars, I said, listen, man, what are you doing? You don't have a job. 
you're not a normal right. guy. Is is it drug money? Like, what is it? He he. And he said, he's like, I really didn't care. He said, I was making a ton of money. I mean, he should care. I know. But he's like, I didn't care. Keep in mind, I met him in prison. So um, he's like, I really didn't care. But the guy was like, I remember he said to him, he said, is it drugs? He goes, drugs. He goes, nobody sells drugs anymore. He goes, this is, ta- this is the, they, this is the drop. And he goes, what's that? And he goes, it's the tax. And they call it, he goes, the, we're, we're filing taxes on people that, you know, that are not even, they were doing it on people that didn't even, had never had a job. And so, so he got that guy to teach him how to do it. He started, he owned a car lot. I think he owned a couple car lots. He started doing it, did it for years. And he said he was much more successful because typically if, if one of the, the filings didn't go through, these guys said, oh, okay, it didn't go through next. He would call, he said, cause they would like mail a letter and say, you need to call here, you know, call this whatever number. Mm-hmm. And he said, he goes, I call. And he said, I'd call, I'd argue with them. I'd answer the questions I could answer. He said, typically I had most of, of the answers. He said, if you called, he said, honestly, he said, just calling almost got them to release the money. He said, because most of the people just wouldn't call. And he said, if I knew one or two questions and if I, one or two of them, I was like, I can't remember. Are you sure that was, I I don't think I ever lived there. Are you sure that that doesn't, that might've been my mom's address. He said, if I just kind of, you know, tried to fumble my way through it. He said, a lot of times they would cut him a check or not a check, but they would wire the money or just, uh, yeah, it's insane. IRS is, uh, and, and those are, those are lower level employees. They're not senior executive service. They're not revenue officers and agents that he's talking to. And so they're regular people like you and I, and they don't necessarily have tax law knowledge, like understanding pair return and things like that. They're following the internal revenue manual. Right. It's a giant if then chart. If this, then that. Right. If the taxpayer says X, Y, or Z, then okay, release the money and code the account. Right. And and you know, here's the thing, like calling, I can understand that. Because I actually um uh applied for a a bank loan a bank loan and they sent me, you know, the documents to sign. And before they would let you sign them, that you have to verify your identity. Right. They asked, they asked me like six. Well, they asked me like six questions. Yeah. You know, what color was your BMW in two thousand? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I couldn't pass them. Uh, I couldn't I, verify I, your ID. Yes. It was some of the questions were twenty years old. Like yes. I don't remember. It could have yes. been dark blue. It could have been black. I don't know. Right. So anyway, I ended up having to go to the bank and sign the papers. So. Yes. So I could understand even if it's really you not getting the answer. So it's 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 tough. I saw so many schemes across my desk. I would get these bundles of tax returns, 25 and 50 in a bundle. Take Like go to the cart, get them, take them back to my desk, sit down and start going through them because there's some error codes that are coming up on these returns. So I have to, I have to clear the, the code, the error, to see if it can really muster and go on through the system. And I clear one, okay, that's fine get the next tax return and I'm handling paper documents. Right. And I see the next one. Oh, same error code. Oh, isn't that interesting? Okay. Clear that one. Third one. Wait, this is the same error code. Let me look at these other two. And so I'd look at the envelope that was stapled because they keep the envelope stapled to the back of the return. And it's from, you know, Podunk USA somewhere in Alabama or something. 
handwritten to the IRS, uh, to the IRS with a handwritten return address and a and a postage, you know, that it was hand canceled at, at a post office. And so then I look at the other, the the second tax return, same handwriting, same envelope, return, same hand, twenty five in a row. Wow, I mean, and they're going they're going into nursing homes, oh. or they're working with someone inside a nursing home to get all the socials and the names and addresses of all these people that are sick in a nursing home that don't have a tax filing requirement. Right. They make up a little bit of income, just enough to get maybe five or $600 refund, 200 or 300. Chump change, nothing. But you multiply you that. Multiply, yeah. You start adding zeros and it becomes a lot of money. It becomes Very- a lot. And I would see these in, in bundles of 25. And then, and then I'd be like, okay, wait, I need to stop. This goes to CI, and I would reroute it to criminal investigation. But you never know what happens. That's horrible. Never know what happens. I would have to go find somebody in, in a in a week or something. I'd have to go and say, "What's going to happen with that?" And then I'd check back, and no, it's it's not like that. No, no, it's not no, a big building. Not. And they don't they don't advertise what they're working on for obvious reasons. But they do post when a case has finally come to resolution. It's gone to court. Someone's been fined or sent to jail. Then they post what they've. They don't say you found it. They don't give you an attaboy. No attaboy. No, they're they're not out for attaboys. So they're like, hey, we caught the bad guy because ultimately this person is defrauding you and your neighbors. Right. Oh, I mean, no doubt. I mean, I'm not saying. I say it's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just. I'm amazed that someone stumbled across this and then it spread so so rapidly. Yes. Yeah. When 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 ITINs were first initiated, the um, individual taxpayer identification number, they had a unit in Philadelphia that was running that that group, and then they moved it to Austin. And so they had low employ, lower level employees looking at ITIN applications. This is for someone that comes into the U.S. doesn't have a social, but they need some kind of tax ID number. Socials come from Social Security Administration. ITINs are issued by the IRS. So they would send in a W-7, a Form W-7, with with lots of documents attached to it, like, you know, proof of citizenship and birth and all sorts of official official documents that IRS employees not trained in any kind of forensic analysis of, is this a real birth certificate or is this manufactured? You know, they didn't know. And they were shooting these applications through and giving people ITIN numbers. And those those ITIN numbers were assigned to people that were being claimed as dependents on tax returns. Okay. You start claiming dependents. Yeah, you're getting your... You're getting credit. You're getting child tax credit, additional child tax credit, so they would be getting tens of thousands of dollars in refunds. And we would, my department, we would see this. And there's 100 people working out on the floor. And I'm just seeing in my little shift, you know, how many am I stamping, okay, this must, this passes, they get it. I'm just one person. This was early on. They've cracked down now and it's much more, it's, it's tight now. But. Does it get, do people get, do they just get greedy? And next thing you know, they have eight dependents. And yes. ten dependents, and they just they're just not. Yeah, they're just they're just it's just a numbers it's just a numbers game. Yeah, that's and that's the, the problem. The game. And it's it's just really frustrating. And people at the IRS are very frustrated by it. You know, this is when I was there. You know, 
we because we knew that oh, this, you know, uh, yeah, it might be meeting technical aspects of the law, but this isn't right. These people did not live here. Right. And, you know, all you had to do was prove that some way they're a citizen of some other country and da 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 and they get an I ten. It was really frustrating. Um I wrote a I wrote a book about a guy. The, the, so I, I've written a bunch of truth. That's kind of how this whole thing ended up. Yes. Yeah. That's what I gathered. Yeah. So I was writing other inmates, uh, you know, true crime stories. And one of the most fascinating inmates, and I won't bore you with the whole, the whole, his whole, his whole case, but I will explain this to you because you'll, you'll understand it. You'll go, you'll be like, wow. Okay. Listen to this. This was so, and this is very odd because I, it, it was a uh, very interesting because it was something I hadn't really heard before. So he was going into distressed companies. And so your company's either about to claim bankruptcy. And he was, by the way, at this time he was, he was a bankruptcy attorney. Okay. He, was, he was a disbarred bankruptcy attorney to be, okay. but he had been a bankruptcy attorney. He eventually got disbarred. And now he was more like a, um, you know, uh, he was investing capital in companies. And one of his tactics would be to go in and he would take a portion of his fee would be in, um, you know, in, in stock, you know, stock. stock. And then he'd get so much after the first quarter and this sort of thing. And they'd say, well, we don't have any, we don't have that money. Don't worry. We will have the money. I'm going to take care of this. And of course, the first thing he did was he went and he renegotiated with all of the vendors by saying, I'm going to place the company in bankruptcy. And one of the first things he did was, so if your company has, you know, 400 employees, the first thing he would do is he would make sure he'd take all of your employees and he would have them, their, their pay would be outsourced to an employee leasing company okay. so that now the money goes to this employee leasing company. They do all the pay stubs. They yep. do all the withholding. They can renegotiate workman's comp, um, you know, health insurance, whatever the case may be. But he owned that company. And what he really did was, one of the things he did was he stopped sending the withholding, the employee withholding taxes to the IRS. Federal tax deposits, yes. He did this. Now, I'm not positive. One of the, now, this went on for years and years and years. And he would tell the IRS, he would notify the IRS, we're currently, you know, we're experiencing some, some issues, some liquidity issues. And he'd send him a letter and there was a form that you fill out. It was, you notify them. We've withheld the money, mm -hmm. but we're currently, we're about to go, we, we are contemplating go bankruptcy and we're in the middle of audits and mm -hmm. we're holding the money and they notify he notified the irs now apparently according to him if you notify them and withhold the money you're within your rights they become a creditor mm -hmm. so but he he would do this for months and months and he would meet with the irs and he would explain and they would say how much do you have i currently have this much money we're working on this we're doing this we're we, we're about, we may be going into bankruptcy. We're, and then sometimes he would even negotiate, if he owed them $15 million, he would negotiate with the IRS for a lesser payment 
and put get on a payment program. So he doesn't pay him fifteen million. He pays right. him five million, and we're going to pay that over the next two years, and we'll be able to start paying again. He did this to the tune of I don't know how many companies it was. I don't know if it was ten or twelve, but it was a hundred and eighty million dollars by the time they were done. It was the largest um, uh, tax. What would they call it? employment withholding tax scheme they'd ever you know that, that had had ever happened. His name was Frank Amadeo. He was he's from Orlando. Like you could you can look it up. He is fascinating. Well, what I find most fascinating about the guy is that he's also uh, he has bipolar condition with features of schizophrenia. So he actually believes that and, and only periodically. Actually, he'd he tell you he always kind of believes it. But he believes that since he was very young, God has been talking to him and telling him he's preordained to be emperor of the world. Mm. Now, I, it, you know, and it it sounds ridiculous, but everybody that I that I interviewed said they said, "Oh no, no, he's been saying it forever." Like, no, and I said, "Well, it's he jokes about." It. They're like, "No, he will joke about it and laugh about it." I'm like, "So it's kind of like a tongue in cheek. It's just a joke." Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, "No, no, he's serious." You know, he's a, but you can joke about it with him. He'll joke about it and kind of laugh it off, but he believes it. A thread of truth in that. And right. he, and he thinks, he, yeah. And he does. He does, without a doubt. But $180 million. He got 22 years. Okay. Yeah. I wrote a book about him called It's Insanity. There's been a documentary about him. He actually plotted a coup to, um, to take over the Congo. He actually backed a political candidate in the uh, Congo and uh, eventually the military came in. It, they said it was an armed coup. He insists it wasn't armed. Um, they, this, it's a fascinating story, but I, you know, so I had many, many discussions with him about the withholding taxes. And he was also one of the, one of the people that told me, he's like, Oh, listen, he's like, there are companies all the time that are, that are months, even years behind on the, on the, the, uh, their employees, uh, mm-hmm. withholding mm-hmm. and I just remember thinking that you know that's crazy but he was you know he explained it the same way the other guy he's like well what's the IRS's choice they, they're they not going to come in and shut the company down there could be 400 people working there like as long as you're trying to pay and you can pay yes and you're showing payment and you don't miss any payments he's like you know he's like and look sometimes they go into bankruptcy sometimes they end up a creditor so is it isn't that have you ever yeah, heard? That's a He's- kick. I mean, that's that's a kick. And I will say this: I've been around some people that have bipolar disorder, and when they're on their manic high, I mean, brilliant. Oh, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. brilliant. Amazing stuff. He he's absolutely brilliant. I'll tell you something yeah. else, which is funny because anybody who watches my channels heard this, um, but this always makes people go, "Wow!" So my original sentence was twenty six years. Frank Amadeo, I met him in prison. He filed what's called a 2255. It's a habeas. It's a it's a it's a motion in the court. He filed two of them for me. Once he got seven years off my sentence. Once he got five years off. He got twelve years off of my 26 year sentence. And had it not been for him, I'd be in prison right now because my out date was 2030. Mm. So, so you know, I I I although I'll, I will say, and I really only. And I, I don't he wouldn't even consider it disrespectful because he'll say it. You know, it, he is he's 
he's crazy. He sounds crazy. He he says crazy things periodically, but he's absolutely brilliant. Doesn't mean you can't be brilliant, right? He's, yeah, he's yeah. you know, but hundred and eighty million. He'll also try and tell you that you know. Oh, it was perfectly legal. I, we notified the IRS. We were in negotiations. We were, yeah, but you were using that money to plot taking over other countries right. and buying right. other companies. And right. well, you know, I, there may have been some some discrepancies, extenuating circumstances. <laughs> you had me until this, you, yeah, right. We tell we tell ourselves stories. Yeah, yeah. He, he was he was he was great. It was that that's a that's my IRS story. Hey, if you guys like the uh, the interview. Do me a favor, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell so you get notified of videos just like this. And also, please check the description box. Uh, I'm going to leave the Amazon link for Christine's book and leave me a comment. And please consider joining my Patreon. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. See ya.